greetings everyone this is abhivardhan from the bharat pacific and we are live again for another bharat pacific interview uh, last time we had uh, if i am right mohammed salman and this time we have another expert on west asia dr elwaiting tojum uh, aditya is joining us as a co-host so dr elwait welcome to the bharat pacific uh, dr elwait is a, pro- a faculty member at uh, in symbiosis uh, pune if i am right and uh, he is uh, a distinguished expert in international relations when it comes to west asia and indo west asian relations uh, we have had a discussion a uh, long time back on uh, the situation in afghanistan and even other things and uh, we have uh, discussed about how the economic relationship between india and west asian countries may grow so in this interview we would be focusing on india turkey and west asia in terms of how turkey is becoming relevant as a geopolitical actor in west asia and how should we look at it as an actor beyond the usual understanding of what turkey is so to begin with this discussion um dr elbert my first question is uh how do we understand the india turkey relations in a very basic way like what is it how it has been post cold war and as as of 2023 how is the india turkey relationship and maybe then we can discuss a little bit about the recent events right thank you abhi for having me once again on the show uh, it's always a pleasure to be back uh, we also discuss something very important uh, that has got to do with the abrahamic accords and the economic implications uh, of this reconciliation on india's engagement with the region and today you have picked up another very important topic on turkey india and west asia uh If you look at the current uh, dynamics uh, pertaining to India's foreign relations with the West Asian region, uh, Turkey is one important we need to improve our relations with. Uh, uh, it's it's also because of the importance of Turkey in the region, uh, which we will come to a little later. The internal dynamics or the regional dynamics of Turkey's foreign policy or the internal dynamics. Uh, the relationship between Turkey and India, uh, while we talked about the historical ties or the civilizational linkages that's been the pattern of our discussions uh we seem to uh you know talking only about uh, the historical and the civilizational ties uh, but then uh, if you look at the current scenario when it comes to these two countries there are a lot more uh, both the countries can do but there are certain differences that exist between the two countries particularly uh, pertaining to the political relations uh the kind of rhetorics that have been coming out from turkey in the recent times have been one of the main reasons why indian government is not very keen to take this forward uh unless and until uh, there are certain understandings between the two sides uh for instance uh the kind of uh, stance turkey and you know, turkish government takes on the kashmir issue or even some of the issues pertaining to our uh say the minorities or if say the muslim citizens uh, in the country uh this has been one of the reasons why uh the relationship has not been able to uh you know see uh, that actual potential uh, uh unlike the other countries with whom uh, we are doing fairly well in the recent times uh you picked up some of the major countries in the west asian region particularly in the gulf region the relationships are going really dips and bounds uh making it very comprehensive than ever before uh but turkey uh, there were lots of uh, hopes uh, i myself had written a couple of pieces sometime in 2017 18 uh, when adogan was visiting uh, india that uh, 
this could be one of the game changers or this could be one of the drivers of the relationship uh, to build up some sort of a political goodwill between the two sides. But uh, uh, we haven't seen much of an update. We haven't seen much of a progress uh, in the relationship. Uh, but as I mentioned at the, uh, at the beginning, that Turkey is a very important country, particularly given the location, you know, where it is located uh, as a gateway to Asia and Europe. And at the same time, with the kind of an influence it has in you know, Central Asia, the Caucasus, uh, Middle East, in the European Union region, also in Africa, this could be one important country uh, 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 which we should uh, make some more efforts to uh, uh, you know, improve the relationship uh, on various fields, security, economic. And this is also a good time to uh, mend the ties because Turkey is looking outward for economic assistance. And that's one of the reasons why you can see Turkey warming up to Saudi Arabia, for whom they have been vehemently opposing in the last three to four years. You can see Turkey warming up to UAE. You can see Turkey you know, getting closer to the Israeli government in the last uh, three to four years after the relationships nose dived in 2010 and 2018. So uh, it's an important country, no doubt. Uh, everybody would agree that the kind of uh, role it's playing in the Middle East right now, um, the kind of a role it's playing in, uh, uh, in the Russia-Ukraine uh, crisis, uh, it was whether one likes it or not, Turkey was one of the first countries that get some platform to the Russians and the Ukrainians to speak their differences out and to come to some sort of a solution. Uh, so we can we can go further, uh, you know, from here from this primer. Yeah. So, Doctor Albert, uh, taking forward from here now, India and Turkey, and not very till not very long ago, perhaps uh, till a decade ago, like even we may not have been allies, but we have a sense of like a historical perspective. We had good mm. people to people relations. Like there was a non-alignment kind of legacy. There was like a Basically, we had a good relations, even if we were not allies. But the Erdogan's 2.0, like the second half of Erdogan's political career, where everything became like <clears throat> kind of very contentious. Now, how much do you think has this become more of a structural thing, or how much do you think is basically a leadership led so basically this is how much of is this just erdogan led or how much of this the current contention is like more at systematic level do you think now it is too late to mentize if tomorrow erdogan is not at like his primary position there needs to be uh, you're absolutely right uh the pattern uh, you can see that you know turkey particularly uh uh after, particularly in the 1990s when uh, uh when erdogan became one of the prominent figures in the political uh, uh, scenarios in, in, in inside the country things have started to take some turns uh, which in a way uh, impacted on its relations not only with india but also with the larger uh, countries in the region while turkey has come having a very good relationship with the united states uh, particularly during the cold war period uh, uh, and at the same time uh, uh, maintaining its relations with countries like Russia and China in the recent times. Uh, a larger uh, shift in the Turkish foreign policy came about when Erdogan became a leader. Uh, he had brought in many changes within the country. Uh, uh, while we talk about secularism in Turkey, there are certain uh, signals or indications that have come up from Turkey that it is heading a little bit towards of that little strict 
this mm. Islam's sort of a, uh, rules or governance. Uh, its ambitions to become one of the champions of the Islamic world or the Muslim causes um, uh, had also become one of the important factors that kind of uh, disturbed the equilibrium with many countries uh, that you can see uh, in, 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 in not only with India, uh, right, you rightly pointed out that uh, I would say that Erdogan's policy has largely to do with what uh, we are seeing in terms of not having a very good sort of a cordial relationship with, with uh, between Ankara and, and New Delhi. Uh, but having said that, uh, you know, uh, the structural changes uh, uh, in the way how the governance is being, uh, you know, carried forward, uh, the policy being wielded by him. Uh, uh, if you see that in the recent times, like he has come really full throttle against almost all the Islamic uh, Muslim countries, particularly Saudi Arabia, UAE, and challenge the, uh, even the supremacy of uh, you know, Saudi Arabia as the custodian of the two holy mosques. Uh, so those kind of rhetorics uh, 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 have caused certain uneasiness uh, uh, within the leaderships in different countries, including India. Uh, the kind of uh, statements they have come out during the uh, uh, abrogation of Article 370 uh, and he, uh, that is a very important issue for us uh, and we keep uh, telling the outside world that this is our internal affair and uh, uh, we don't we don't we don't we do not want to be pointed out by any other country with what we are doing internally uh, but then uh, that statement or the kind of a stance turkey has vis-a-vis uh, -vis the kashmir issue uh, could be one of the very very sticking points between the two sides uh, unless and until there are certain uh, but nowadays, see, it's a real politic. Uh, but uh, uh, you know, everybody looks for their own strategic interests and their own vested interests. But uh, for India, when it comes to Jammu and Kashmir issue, it's it's a very sensitive issue, uh, regardless of whether we are playing real politic or very pragmatic foreign policy. Uh, so uh, if if someday Turkey decides to make it low uh, and not see something which they haven't done with the Chinese government's treatment of the Uyghur Muslims. Uh, while uh, you know uh, they haven't come out very heavily in the recent times against the Chinese about their treatments of the Uyghur Muslims in Xinjiang province. Uh, some, so if they have done some sort of a course correction in terms of what they have been believing with regard to India's uh, policy over Jammu and Kashmir, uh, there could be, of course, uh, certain uh, uh, improvements, to my, uh, to my opinion, uh, that we could see in, in India's relationship with uh, uh, with, with, with Turkey. That's interesting to start with. And um, so when we look at uh, the Turkish political stances, obviously ideology is the prime uh, facey aspect of it in certain ways, not, if not in every way. And uh, I think uh, when it comes to the realities in Turkey, let's now a little bit move to Turkey's internal dynamics. So we have seen in the past that India has developed its own relations with countries like Greece and Cyprus because mm. of how Turkey is, how things happen when it comes to interacting with the Turkish counterparts. And uh, <clears throat> beyond ideological positions, there's a security and other aspect, a dynamic as well, because obviously why not in the Mediterranean you would try to have a good relationship with countries like Greece and Cyprus. So there is a thing that uh, Erdogan is trying to revisit the relationships. 
So do we really think that the internal dynamics are guiding it or is it something like fine, maybe it's more about uh, the economic situation? Because what happens is that we have had this situation, which is the earthquake in Turkey, unfortunate mm-hmm. situation. Uh, many countries supported Turkey, sent their task force and you know people. We did yeah. a, in a great way. We created facilitation centers and we helped uh, people who were <clears throat> affected. And it was a great contribution because we understand that uh, uh, all these uh, task forces which are sent, all these cooperations which happen in mm-hmm. earthquakes and such uh, calamities are not just done for the sake of humanitarian reasons. They're also a matter of diplomatic gesture and building up relationships on a matter of trust and other things. So uh, despite the uh, support that India gave, which was tremendous in certain ways, very agile, very quick by the Indian army, uh, the uh, is it really that the internal dynamics have a kind of change? Because uh, the way uh, Erdogan reacted on, again, the same Kashmir issue, the same minorities issue, uh, it seems a bit jarring, it seems a bit erratic. So what do you think about it? Um, that's a fascinating question, Avi. Uh, you know, I think the kind of a changes that we have begun to see in Turkey uh, could be largely to do with the internal dynamics. Uh, and that's, I think, to my mind, been triggered by uh, a very, very serious economic situation that they have right now at hand. Uh, whether uh, uh, And also, uh, when we look at any internal dynamics uh, in international relations uh, or external dynamics, we have this something called levels of analysis uh, where we uh, measure or where we study the international developments, where we study the regional developments, national domestic developments. Um, uh, for, for, for quite a while, Turkey has been flexing its muscles beyond uh, its weight or, you know, uh, and that paid the price of its relationship. Came at the cost of its relations with some of the heavyweights in the region, including particularly UAE and uh, Saudi Arabia, with whom they had very, very strong, robust economic uh, partnerships, including with Israel in terms of technological and uh, military security cooperation. One of the uh, strongest uh, military security cooperation, particularly in terms of intelligence sharing, was with uh, was with Israel. Uh, but uh, yeah, as I mentioned to, as I responded to Aditya's question about the structural changes that's coming in within. Uh, the internal dynamics uh, is now driving uh, uh, Erdogan uh, to make some, uh, again, structural changes in the way how he's dealing with the regional countries as well as the international partners. Uh, if you, I'm sure you know that Turkey has this uh, policy of uh, zero problems with the neighbors. Uh, that's been the policy of the Justice and Development Party, uh, AKP. Uh, zero problems with the uh, with, with the, with the neighbors, but uh, you can see that uh, uh, not not living up to its expectations. Like, you know, barring so they had to go to Syria because of certain concerns with regard to the Kurdish uh, uh, question, and then uh, they had to uh, again the reasons why they have not. Uh, uh, the reasons why they have downgraded the relationships with Iran, uh, sorry, with uh, Saudi Arabia, UAE, are also on certain other uh, ideological uh, uh, aspects. Uh, so uh, the internal dynamics now, uh, I think the economic factor, uh, the economic situation that we are getting to see inside Turkey is 
becoming one of the very important factors uh, uh, to Turkish government, uh, you know, mending its ties with relationships with uh, some of these partners. Uh, the relationship with the United States has been a little uneven. You know, uh, they have had a very good relationship with Donald Trump because Donald Trump did not give much attention to the human rights issues. But Joe Biden uh, came back and, you know, as you know, that Joe Biden's one of the uh, important policies is to have some sort of a straight record in, in terms of human rights. Uh, so, but then uh, uh, you, you, you have seen how the relationship unfolded between Turkey and the U.S. in the recent times, ever since Donald Trump came to power and then took over by uh, taken over by Joe Biden. Uh, even the Joe Biden administration is giving some signals to Turkey to you know mend the relationship uh, because of the ongoing crisis in Russia and Ukraine. Uh, so uh, coming to your question, uh, you know the internal dynamics, of course, I, I, to my mind, less to do with the ideological posture right now. Uh, they would want to need, they would want to have some players, uh, some reliable uh, partners uh, who they can bang on for some of their economic problems uh, to uh, to solve some of the, not solving entirely, but to give, the, because see, losing, a, losing countries like UAE and uh, Saudi Arabia, uh, who are two economic giants in the, in the, in the, in the in West Asian region, uh, it, it can cause a fortune to them. So uh, you saw recently, I think UAE kept some, million dollars as, a, uh, as an aid uh, to Turkey and they are also increasingly looking towards uh, Saudi Arabians to uh, uh, to give similar help so regardless of the uh, you know uh, the ideological uh, differences or uh, sectarian issue which of course is very embedded and deep rooted in the Middle East uh, the internal dynamics is driving Erdogan to make certain reforms or certain changes in the way how he's going to deal with uh, the region. But similarly with uh, similarly with Pakistan, you know, we, we can take the example of Pakistan in the backyard. Uh, you know, yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah, my question was next uh, about Turkey and Pakistan and where does it fit in India equation. Now, the India-specific problem, like the India-specific problem with Turkey is like its camaraderie with the Pakistan in the recent past and it parroting Pakistan's stalls in Kashmir. And like India has also tried to like hedge its bets by giving voice to Cyprus, Greece, and selling some arms, defense arms to Armenia. Like it's trying to hedge its bets. But like I can see the value for Pakistan by having Turkey on its side. But what is the tangible benefits Turkey actually sees beyond the ideological grouping of, okay, I have an only Islamic nuclear power nation in my bracket. But I don't think Turkish, I, I assume Turkish is wise enough to know that Pakistan won't choose a, like an Islamic leader between, say, Iran or uh, Saudi or like, uh, they, I would say Iran is like a Shia nation. So Shia, Iran is not a, that uh, optional. But between Saudi and Turkey, if Pakistan were to choose, it won't choose. So like, what is the benefit Turkey is getting out of it? Like, uh, in terms See, of... Uh, yeah, yeah, you know, it's it's a it's a very fascinating uh, uh, you know equations. Um, I must say, Pakistan is sharing with almost all these countries uh, in the Middle East. Uh, I think you have already given the answer uh, at the beginning of your question that uh, what does Pakistan? Oh, sorry, what does Turkey see in Pakistan right now? Nothing. 
Um, you know, it's, it's uh, to be very blunt, uh, and that's the kind of an impressions, uh, that's the kind of an understanding even some of these big countries like UAE and Qatar or uh, Saudi Arabia have also begun to realize in the recent times that um, there's nothing much we can do uh, with regard to this country. Uh, unfortunately, uh, Pakistan remain one of the stumbling blocks in our relationships uh, with the Middle, Middle Eastern countries in the 80s, 70s and the 80s, uh, during the heights of the Cold War. Uh, our bilateral relationships were largely determined by few factors and Pakistan was one of them. Uh, but in the recent times, uh, uh, whether one likes it or not, the manner in which India is growing economically, politically, technologically, uh, and you name it, uh, we are uh, considered as one of the serious uh, international players in the current scenario right now. Uh, there are many, you know, I'm sure there are many debates about whether India is rising or India is uh, stagnated. Uh, but then, but at least our international profile in the recent years have gone up really, really significantly high. That also has given some sort of a food for thought to uh, not only the Middle Eastern countries, but to almost every country in different parts of the world that India is one country that needs to be taken very seriously now. Uh, so if you compare the weight of both, you know, India on one hand, Pakistan on one hand, I don't think we need the rocket science answers to say where we are and where Pakistan is. All right. So maybe you're right, you know, in, in, say in terms of like, okay, Pakistan seems to play some sort of a role in the OIC, uh, you know, where many of the countries use it as a platform to uh, raise the issue of the Kashmir and other sufferings of our brothers within courts. Uh, in the, our brothers and sisters in different parts of the world, also in India. Uh, apart from that, uh, you know, I don't see uh, 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 Pakistan as uh, as a hindrance. Should not be a hindrance if, if if Turkey were to really rip the benefit out of its relationship with 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 India, uh, if it wants to uh, uh, improve or strengthen or build upon the ties between India and uh, Turkey, you know, they should not. Let that we in India, for one, have not made Pakistan any more a factor in our relationship with any other countries. We are dealing it on a very pragmatic basis. Uh, uh, no longer look at see Saudi Arabia and UAE. They were they are very close. Uh, they are very close to Pakistan. But the way how they are handling Pakistan and the way how they are handling India uh, is a, is an answer for our uh, for for this question also. So, so sorry Turkey, for the interruption, yeah. but I think uh, Turkey is the only country perhaps today in the region where Pakistan actually matters in bilateral relations with India, I think. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, yeah, we, have that, on, we have moved on beyond Pakistan with the rest of the region, like basically. Yeah, yeah so, uh, uh, you know, that's the, uh, uh, as, as as much, uh, till the time Turkey continues to support Pakistan's, Pakistan stands on Jammu and Kashmir. Uh, that's going to cost us the relationship, uh, you know, uh, that's going to be, see, others are like, to my mind, uh, are pretty minimal, uh, uh, you know, but what pricks us also is, uh, is the support that Pakistan gets from countries like Turkey. And why Turkey is doing that, as I mentioned at the beginning of my, uh, uh, you know, deliberation, that it still wants to be the ideological leader in the Islamic world. Uh, there are two or three countries, like Iran wants to do that, uh, Iran has been challenging the supremacy of the Gulf monarchies or the Saudi monarchies from 79 onwards after the Islamic revolution uh, in Iran. Similarly, the Turkish government, uh, particularly under Erdogan, uh, has been giving all kinds of direct and indirect signals that we are not happy with this sort of uh, supremacy being 
exercised by countries like uh, Saudi Arabia. Uh, uh, if you if you recall, uh, just about uh, uh, four uh, four years ago, there was some sort of an attempt being made by Turkey to have some sort of a groupism. Uh, it includes Iran, it includes Pakistan, it includes Malaysia. Uh, uh, so Turkey, Iran, uh, Malaysia, uh, then uh, they were trying to call Bangladesh also. Uh, to some sort of work. Uh, yes, yes, Qatar. And that was during the heights of the GCC crisis, 2017, which got resolved in 2021 between Saudi and Turk, uh, Qatar. Uh, so they had that kind of an ambition. So I had raised this issue with one of the scholars from Singapore. Middle East Institute uh, talked about Malaysia's role in that. It's like Mahathir was too old to even, you know, rule the country. How would he be able to, uh, you know, steer this kind of uh, uh, ambition being propped up by countries like Turkey? So this Pakistani factor, you are right, Aditya, that you know, in India, Turkey relations uh, uh, will matter because there are no other. See, as much as we are dealing with Saudi Arabia, UAE, or Qatar, or Oman, or Bahrain, like in almost all the possible fields. We haven't had much of that kind of a comprehensiveness with Turkey at the moment. So that can be a sticking point. That can be a, a thorn in our relationship. Uh, and I'm sure there are a few reports that have come up in the recent days also about uh, uh, India betraying, uh, Turkey betraying India uh, ideologically and politically. Uh, while uh, it was really good on our part to send our rescue teams and other rehabilitation efforts uh, during the earthquake, that should also be a signal to them um, that uh, we, we are a force to reckon with. Yeah. So, Abhivadan, uh, if I may, like... Go yes. on. Yeah, so taking the discussion away from India a bit, now that we have only limited time, like 15 minutes at most left. Uh, it's interesting, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So taking the discussion away from India, you were talking about the Islamic leadership. Now, yesterday we have seen one of the most significant diplomatic coups from China in the region, like, uh, um, mm. and which has, uh, like, uh, led to a quite a chatter across the foreign policy commentary at saying, where does this put U.S. security guarantees in the region? What does it mean for U.S. leadership in the region? What does it mean for like larger Israel question, Islamic leadership? Basically, what does it mean for the whole region? So, how would Turkey look at this dynamic? I mean, there is also a recent crisis, uh, economic crisis backed by like the big earthquake, like once the largest earthquake in decades for Turkey, if not in centuries. So both the uh, things have come in the successive like uh, episodes. Like, so what does it mean for Turkey's ability in the region or leadership in the region? Uh, are you talking about the reconciliation between Saudi Arabia and, and uh, Iran? Iran, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a very, uh, uh, it's a very interesting uh, development, uh, and uh, and in uh, involving China makes it more interesting for all of us. Okay, uh, earlier uh, that, of course, your last uh, the, the the last few stands that you have taken up in uh, that you have included in your question about what Turkey. Turkey will look, look at this development and um, as I mentioned, see, when you do not have enough money for it to run the country, uh, flexing your muscles or trying to meddle in the other internal affairs will again cost you a fortune. Something which the Iranians are also facing at the moment uh, because of their proxy politics in Syria, Lebanon and, uh, uh, and Iraq also. And if you just before I come to your question, you know, the, the, the protests inside Iran that we have been seeing for the last few years, it's not only about hijab. 
it's not only about uh, the ban on uh, you know moral policing there are quite a few internal dynamics that have been going on inside the country a constant tussle between they call it uh, the jihadi and the jihadis like the reformists and the conservatives uh, the involvement in different parts of west asian region by giving logistical and financial support uh, have not gone down well with many uh, with, with many civilians inside the country because the inflation the rate of unemployment uh, still remain very high inside Iran and they have not been able to uh, meet many of the challenges uh, particularly uh, because they, the youth population are more aware than how it how they used to be and they are seeing what kind of uh, luxuries are being enjoyed by their peers in different parts of West Asia and elsewhere uh, so uh, uh, that's also the reason why Iran has started talking to UAE and Saudi Arabia um, there are lots of communications going on between UAE and Saudi Arabia, uh, UAE and Iran, UAE and uh, Iran and Saudi Arabia in the recent years, particularly in the last two to three years. And that meetings have picked up, uh, closed door meetings, back channel diplomacy, quiet diplomacy, uh, have all picked up in the recent times because they really want to have certain uh, partners uh, who they could, uh, you know, go into some sort of economic partnership or engagement. Similarly, with what happened yesterday, uh, 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 the, the, the big announcement that has come from uh, uh, with regard to it's 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 a it will be uh, it's it's a very interesting uh, uh, development. Uh, it also talks about uh, the the perceived decline. I would say still, I would use the word perceived decline of the United States uh, in the Middle East. Uh, Middle U.S., uh, whether one likes it or not, uh, you know, has uh, has been one of the strongest players, uh, uh, particularly for the Gulf countries. Uh, you know, after, uh, uh, since the late '80s and the early '90s, and uh, we started discussing about the perceived decline of the United States from 2011, when Obama did not do much to save the Hosni Mubarak's government uh, in Egypt. Okay, that triggered the discussion that U.S. is no longer looking at, uh, and of course, with its pivot to Asia and the Indo-Pacific strategy, uh, they have a larger threat, according to them, uh, this is, that is China in the Indo-Pacific or in the South China Sea region. Uh, so, amidst that, you know, uh, uh, development, uh, we have this country, China, uh, entering into the Middle Eastern region. Uh, and China and Middle East is not a new region for China. They have been dealing with this region for quite a while, uh, mostly in economic and commercial fields. But they also have been looking to increase their political footprints in the region in terms uh, of, uh, say, by meddling or by, by, by playing certain roles in some of the regional affairs. The first signals, uh, to me, one of the first signals came out in uh, about seven, eight years ago when they started to show some interest to be a part of the uh, Israeli-Palestinian peace talks. Uh, I think if I am not wrong, they have even come out with some five or six point peace plan. Of course, that did not see the light of day uh, because that's a very sensitive issue. Uh, but now uh, uh, the current dynamics between Iran, um, Saudi and China, and uh, uh, even Iraq uh, to an extent played a role in this uh, reconciliation or the announcement that we heard uh, yesterday. Uh, it's, it's going to be uh, a very important uh, 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 moment for, for China's uh, presence in the Middle East. 
no longer uh, it would be uh, this also kind of a signal the entry of uh, China uh, in the political affairs. Uh, earlier yeah, what's fascinating is like uh, earlier it was seen that China has been active only in the affairs of Central Asia, like proactively. Mm. But uh, even in Afghanistan, negotiation of Afghanistan deal, we saw China being part of it, but not proactive enough. So yesterday when we saw like the announcement came from like, it is perhaps the one can say unprecedented Chinese involvement uh, proactively, like China involving very proactively in the region's diplomatic affairs. Like, uh, as you have mentioned, it was mostly economic centered. Now China sees that uh, it has to go beyond just economics to ensure its interests in the region. Yes, it's also, uh, to me, one of the indicators of the emerging world order. Uh, uh, one of the indicators of the emerging world order where we are seeing uh, Chinese uh, political roles in different parts of the world, particularly now, say, this is going to be an interesting uh, uh, development uh, because China and Iran are very strong partners. Uh, they have their own issues. Uh, that's not, not to say that they have a very robust, very successful relationship. Saudi and Iran, of course, Saudi and China has been ramping up their cooperation for, uh, for some time. And uh, this is, the, again, the uh, the 2011 uh, incident in, 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 in Egypt has also given some sort of a realization to the Gulf countries to look to other alternative partners. Uh, and that's when the Chinese uh, uh, you know, government comes into play. Uh, they have been uh, uh, trying to, uh, they, 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 like uh, uh, Avi also talked about, and you also have mentioned, uh, the, Gulf, the Gulf countries, uh, there's, there's also an inward looking approach now with this not only looking towards the Western countries, that is when we talk about the Western countries or the Gulf countries, it's the United States. Uh, whether one likes it or not, some of the uh, uh, some of the important peace agreements between Israelis and the Palestinians have also been signed under the ages of the United States, Camp David Accord, Oslo Accord, uh, you name them. Uh, so the prominence is still there, but yeah, in the recent times, getting some sort of a security guarantee uh, uh, they do not see, uh, there's not much of a credibility nowadays about the U.S., uh, whether they would be able to give some guarantee for security to the Gulf partners. That's the reason why you can see these groupings coming up in the region. And at the same time, uh, the balance of power is shifting towards the, 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 the Asian region, within which uh, some of the Gulf countries are also looking towards China. Uh, so uh, it's... it's, it's uh, uh, it's 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 one of the uh, one of the realignments of relations that we are getting to see in the region. We already have seen that with Israel and two very important countries, Bahrain and UAE, uh, in the region. Uh, now we are seeing uh, this is again uh, a, a plus point for uh, for China also. Uh, earlier, as I mentioned, it's but what special. does it mean? For, but what does it mean for Indo-Abraham Accords? Uh, like, see. Uh, even see, uh, even the uh, the re-establishment of the diplomatic relations, uh, there are many uncertainties about these realignments. Whether all of uh, because countries like Israel will look at this very cautiously, U.S. will of course look at this development very cautiously. Iran. So for now, it's going to be very bilateral. It's going to be very bilateral. Uh, the regional dynamics. Uh, uh, I don't. Uh, I 
have not made any assessment of this because it just happened uh, uh, yesterday uh, and we haven't got many reports about it. It's only the analysis that have come up uh, from different uh, experts and the think tanks and the government sources. Uh, but uh, whether uh, uh, Israel, because Israel is also talking to the Saudis, uh, uh, they have been talking to the Saudis. They have been talking to uh, uh, whether, and Israel and China also has a very good partnership, uh, you know, something which the US uh, keeps an eye on, uh, you know, very suspicious about what the Chinese are doing in, in, in Israel also. Uh, we will need to see whether there would be a point in time when Israel could use this as a, uh, use its relations with China uh, or use it's some sort of a tacit understanding with Saudi Arabia to put some pressure on Iran uh, to scale down its anti-Israel rhetoric, uh, which of course is, uh, is at its highest peak nowadays. Uh, you, you, you often at times uh, in the last uh, three to four days, there are lots of uh, uh, news that have come out uh, with regard to Israel and Iran antagonism uh, over the nuclear program. Uh, so, uh, in see Abrahamic, uh, 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 the Abraham Accord, um, it's not going to, will not have any impact on that. Um, these countries know what they're doing uh, 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 and they will not let it. Uh, uh, when Israeli position on this uh, will be very interesting. Uh, what, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be an interesting position. Uh, we will need to watch out what the Israelis would have to say about this. Uh, of course, they will not come out with an open statement. Uh, one can say that, yes, we welcome this sort of a, uh, yeah, the more you have this coordination, it's, it's, better, for the, it's better for the region. Uh, in the Middle East, uh, two important, apart from, see, the Islamist groups or the terrorist organizations, uh, those can be tackled. Uh, you know, uh, and they have tackled it also. Uh, as much as we are struggling to tackle, they are struggling, but then they have tackled it. But the larger, two larger uh, countries' uh, antagonism uh, has not been good for the region, that is Iran and Saudi Arabia. So why I'm saying this is because if you have a flare-up, a military confrontation tomorrow between Iran and Saudi Arabia, it's not only these two countries that are going to fight. There are many other proxy players that would come into play and we'll, we'll turn the region into a fireball. You, can see, you would see that in Syria, you would see that in Lebanon, you would see that in Iraq, and which will also have a wider repercussions uh, in the other uh, Sunni-dominated countries. So, which in a way gives a lot of leverage to China now, you know, the political. Uh, otherwise, uh, all the discussions that we have been having with regard to China's involvement in the Middle East is mostly from the prism of Belt and Road Initiative, uh, economic partnerships, strategic partnerships, military cooperation, but less to do with their political involvement. So now they would, of course, uh, increase the, uh, they already, they are very good with the optics. They have been, um, uh, but then now they have done something concrete by making two countries uh, reach this sort of uh, understanding and an agreement that to, an, to my mind, uh, whether we like it or not, uh, will raise the profile of China. Yeah. So I have a question since we have discussed about the recent reestablishment of the diplomatic relations. So um, there are two aspects of, of uh, foreign policy groupings which are becoming popular and becoming mainstream. Uh, one, we call it security millilateralism. 
another version of it without mm. adding the hard power element will be soft power multilateralism or economic multilateralism or it could be like how the indo pacific world works india us australia and japan right i mean we started with the spirit of the quad properly i mean the 2017 part was different when we elevated ourselves at the level of not just foreign ministers beyond right we started with the spirit of the quad under the biden administration then we went to critical technologies we started with vaccines and others and now we have icets and i think as of rising dialogue i think uh, we are already working on maritime security so the elevation of the quad at least shows that security multilateralism economic multilateralism is on the way now why am i referring this so uh turkey is a very interesting country you yourself said that you know and we know that it's interacting with the israelis the emiratis mm. obviously it would try to create its own shift i think when it comes to pakistan you very rightly pointed out that it's more about like the ideological continuum but whether malaysia and turkey would continue with that is we have to see but my question is likewise when security multilateralism is becoming popular and important economic multilateralism is becoming popular like the i2u2 the quad even the indian ocean initiatives in which italy mm. also joined recently in the indo pacific ocean initiative uh, where do we see turkey in it because it's a thing which i am i really wish to ask about that uh, is turkey more interested into security multilateralism or will it adapt from the china way on this and then maybe we can go a little bit on india because how would india be uh, taking this up so like just to add because we have a limited time left i will just add the conclusion question also if uh, sure. can, we can uh, the, the conclusion question would okay. be because like uh, there is a uh, elections coming in turkey and because uh, mm. uh, we don't have a very um, neutral perspective on who is going to win who is not going to win so what mm. would be the likely turkish scenario vis-a-vis india or the, like the rest of the world if tomorrow for say like if we say erdogan loses mm. what does then that mean for turkey and the rest of the world okay so two very interesting questions to conclude the session yeah. yeah first one was on the maritime and the economic and the second was on the elections coming up i'll uh, briefly take on the, the elections part uh, you know erdogan uh, i think there's a trend uh, there's a trend which is going on in different parts of the world where one leader uh, is more or less declared as the leader for life we have seen that with china which just yesterday or day before yesterday again uh, we have uh, of course us is a very interesting case uh, donald trump and joe biden india we have a figure we have a prime minister there are no other visible significant challenges to his position even in turkey also i think this person has uh, you know firmly established its uh, influence and power uh, he's going to use the nationalist card uh, uh, inside inside uh, turkey uh, the elections i think are in this year 2023 uh, so <clears throat> what he is going to do is uh, you know use some Uh, of this, uh, uh, you know, uh, recent uh, uh, developments by building up partnerships, creating partnerships, uh, and also uh, encouraging uh, democracy, and at the same time emphasizing on the Islamic uh, identity of the country. So these are some of the cards that he will likely use. 
One is by expanding its uh, foreign relations with many of these countries, saying that you know I have been able to streamline the differences, and now they are on, uh, they are cooperating with us. At the same time, the Islamist identity, uh, which which he has been doing for quite a while, uh, emphasizing on that you know Turkey is Turkey's Islamic identity. Uh, competitors, uh, you know, I don't see uh, anyone at the moment. Uh, many of these journeys that we we have begun to see in Turkey in the recent months or in the last one and a half two years time uh, can also uh, play to uh, you know have uh, you know go in his favor uh, uh, how he is handling uh, regardless of the economic situation right now uh, and that also has given some sort of a, a you know leverage to him to use the use his cards by you know all this. The factors that I just mentioned about building more partnerships, trading partnerships, reaching out to different countries, so that could work well to his favor, uh, and we won't be surprised. Uh, one should not be surprised if Erdogan comes back. For instance, like I've never ruled out Benjamin Netanyahu okay, in Israel. Uh, I've never ruled him out. He was out for a while. Uh, yeah, he was out for a while. Uh, Bennett came in. Yair Lapid came in. Only for a brief period of time, but uh, I have never ruled him out. I always had a suspicion that this guy is going to come back and he is back in the power. Similarly, with Erdogan, also uh, is going to use some of those uh, uh, cards, uh, and the identity cards, the economic trade partnerships, uh, the foreign diplomacy, political diplomacy. Uh, so that uh, is about the election. About see about the obvious question with regard to building uh, this minilaterals, military security. Uh, for now, uh, uh, yeah, I think Turkey would want to uh, have some sort of uh, partnerships uh, on the economic realms and also energy realms. Uh, energy realms because of the Russia-Ukraine and uh, Turkey for long has been wanting to reduce its dependence on, uh, on Russia for energy. That's the reason why Turkey has been playing a very uh, delicate role in this crisis supporting uh, 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 say uh, not supporting West's uh, sanctions or resolutions against Russia but at the same time supplying certain logistical requirements to the Ukrainian government so that you know kind of balancing out uh, and it's a very delicate uh, balancing uh, Turkey is doing at the moment but major concern would be its energy and economic uh, the financial part of it so that's also one of the reasons why uh, they are warming up to the Israelis. Uh, Israel has discovered one of the largest oil fields in 2010, Leviathan and Tamar. And they have become one of the uh, gas exporters from the region. So in the times to come, Israel is going to remain another, uh, not remain, Israel is going to become, become another uh, uh, important uh, gas uh, exporters from the West Asian regions. I have done a piece uh, on this recently uh, in 2000. 21, uh, writing about India and Israel uh, energy partnerships. Uh, uh, they already have started discussing this. Uh, you know, to to Israel has also this ambition to supply gas to the uh, uh, you know European countries, and they already talked about undersea cable pipelines. Uh, but the catch is uh, you know the Cypriot uh, uh, the conflict. Uh, uh, Turkey would be willing to be a part of this uh, 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 you know, uh, uh, pipeline project, but when it comes to some of the territorial issues between the Cyprus and uh, you know uh, 
that's going to be uh, a problem. Uh, but uh, economic partnerships uh, to build up economic, uh, uh, you, know, uh, 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 you know, to have more partners uh, in the economic realm would be one of the objectives for Turkey right now. Uh, but even in security, also like given the uh, the strategic location where Turkey is located, uh, particularly in terms of maritime, that's also one of the reasons why China has include uh, they have signed the BRI agreement. Uh, uh, in the midst of 2010s, uh, you know about the port development projects and the others, uh, the military security remains uh, 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 a potential uh, domain where Turkey could go into. Uh, they already are doing that with some, you know, with, with Russia and the others. Uh, but uh, now with the realignment and the developing uh, political scenario in the region, uh, it might take some time. Uh, 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 it might take some time. Uh, this is also what I have uh, discussed in my paper recently, uh, last year in September, uh, on on Israel and Turkey. Uh, economic partnership, energy partnership, uh, are two important re uh, areas where they would like lead to where they would go into some sort of a full throttle cooperation. Uh, military partnerships will come in gradually, but for that, uh, both needs to have some sort of a confidence uh, to trust one another. Great. Um, it was a very riveting discussion. We I wish we could have had more uh, points to discuss, but since we have uh, time constraints, anyways, I think Dr. Elvite, it was a pleasure to have you, and maybe in future we would have you again for a discussion on related issues. And and thank and thank you very much. I hope you had a good time with us. Oh well, yeah, I uh, I thoroughly enjoyed this. Uh, uh, just that, like we have a little bit of uh, limitations for time. Uh, otherwise. Yeah. Uh, uh, we'll do something else again. Uh, 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 the only thing is that you know I mostly read and discuss.